I was just sleeping. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, first of all, I would like to thank everyone for uh, praying for my son uh, because now he is getting much, much better. And I could feel the support of the church. And, uh, you know, when we reduced the dosage of steroids because he had problems uh, with his kidneys, uh, now his kidneys uh, seem to be functioning. And tomorrow is the last day of his treatment. <laughs> uh, before uh, I start, I would like to tell you about a well-known uh, German preacher and pastor uh, who lived in the times of uh, uh, Germany that was ruled by fascists. And he was imprisoned for the word of God. And uh, once he was, um, he was just walking uh, on the street and you know, the, there was a growing discontent, uh, discontent among German people. And uh, you, could see, you could see some speakers on the platforms uh, urging, to, urging the nation to do something about this and to change something in their country. And uh, when they saw him, uh, one of the speakers saw him, and he said, Pastor Willem, uh, can you please get on, this, uh, on the platform and just answer our questions? And he started by saying that, um, where is God when all this is happening in Germany? Uh, where is God when, you know, there is so many... In, uh, so much injustice and we're losing our jobs and our uh, family are, uh, families are starving and so on and then uh, this man just started shouting down with such a God and the crowd picked it up and they started shouting as well down with such a God down with God and what happened uh, he just uh, he just bowed uh, his head in prayer and he said God give me wisdom and then he actually started shouting with them, down with such a God, down with such a God. And everyone were shocked and they just looked at this pastor and, and they just, uh, they thought, okay, so what's, what's going on here? And he said, down with such a God that you can talk to him like this. Down with such a God whom you are not fear, uh, sorry, whom you're not afraid. Because the God that I serve, you won't be able to stand and talk to him like this and utter a word. You would just fall down on your knees and you would ask for mercy and for salvation. Amen. This is the God I'm dealing with. Amen. And when they looked at him, there was just silence. And I remember uh, when Isaiah... Uh, when God revealed uh, himself to him in all holiness. Uh, in Isaiah 6, 5, it says, uh, then Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And I just thought, to myself, this was said by the prophet who had a close relationship with God and who could hear the voice of God clearly. But when he experienced this presence of the Lord of hosts, 
he could see that his lips were unclean. Uh, and if we can just pray one more time, if you don't mind. Dear Lord, uh, open our spiritual eyes yes. and our spiritual ears so that we can hear your word and prepare our hearts so that they could be a good soil. Uh, we want to receive uh, the word that you say and, and by faith and act upon it. Uh, thank you, God, for everything that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, what kind of heart do you have today? Did you prepare your heart? Did you leave your worries, cares, maybe bitterness, grudges with the people you live with or maybe brothers and sisters? Uh, it's very important. Today we desire revival in our countries and uh, I had this message a long time ago and uh, I entitled this as Prepare the Way of the Lord. And today uh, we desire revival in our countries, but looking at the situation happening in today's world, like wars, starvation, epidemics, deception, uh, blatant injustice, uh, depravity, moral decline. In a world like this, you ask the same question as David did. If you turn uh, to Psalm 11, verse 3, please. <clears throat> Excuse me. So David asks the question here If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And we look at today's world, and sometimes you ask the same question as David did If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? But thanks be to God, we have the answer in the New Testament. It's uh, if you turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Brothers and sisters, we have a hope of the foundation that stands firm. And in 2 Timothy 2.19, it says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. But there is continuation. Having this seal. The seal that we need to have. And it consists of two elements. The Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So we must have two elements in order to stand firmly. One, the Lord knows those who are His. And two, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Today, many Christians, if you ask them, do you know the Lord? They would say, yes, I do. And, but Paul asks the question differently. Does the Lord 
know you. Do you understand the difference? It's, uh, I just imagine, I can imagine that I come to the Buckingham Palace and there is a guard, guardian, guardian? Oh, it's just a guard, guard. So uh, there is a guard and I approach him and, and I would say, you know, I read, uh, I read a lot about Queen Elizabeth in the press. I, I watch the news about her. Uh, I know her family and everything, and I want to have lunch with her. So what do you think the guard will answer me? It's good that you know Queen Elizabeth. Does she know you? So it's, uh, it's a big difference. Does Jesus know you? I think you, you, rem you remember seven sons of Sceva, of the priest Sceva, who also thought they knew the Lord, they knew Jesus, and began using his name. And you remember the story, and it says, and the, and the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? But, uh, and then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. That's why sometimes we ask questions like, God promised that the, the gates of hell will not prevail against our churches. But today, like even non-believers that uh, are talking on high street, they, they would say, uh, but today, you see, and some of them know the Bible, and they ask questions like, and today, many churches are shut down. Why? Did the gate, uh, gates of hell prevail? The problem is, maybe we claim to know the Lord, but does the Lord know you? Does he look at, at the church that claims to be alive as dead or alive? And uh, th that's why yeah, we should be uh, really careful about this. And, and the second indication of a true child of God, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity or unrighteousness. Do we name the name of Christ? Don't we call ourselves Christians? Uh, then we must depart from unrighteous deeds and do the truth. One time, I remember I got up early in the morning to pray to God, and I asked God, uh, maybe it sounds a little bit silly, I don't know, but I asked God, what is the secret of revival? Um, I, you know, there are some books like uh, Steps to Your Faith and Everything. I don't like this. You know, sometimes I don't even like the structure. I just want to believe as a child. And uh, I, rem I remember when, when, I was, uh, when I was a little boy, and uh, thanks uh, to, be, uh, to my grandmother who brought, up me, uh, brought me up in a Christian way. And uh, when I lived in Russia, uh, we lived just by the river. And I remember that I... I was standing in the river and just praying to God, and it was so simple. And God answered my simple, childish prayers. But when I became more educated, I think at about the age of 16, I started doubting God's existence. 
because I loved science and because of the communist uh, inheritance we had the, those atheistic views and that was challenging for me but thanks be, uh, for, uh, thanks be to God and to his mercy that uh, he showed me the way and I, I got up early in the morning like at 6 o'clock and I said and to pray to God and ask a question about the secret of revival. Like what hinders or prevents revival? Uh, I was just reading the Gospel of Matthew and one passage was clearly revealed to me. And it's uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 3. I turn to Matthew chapter 3, verse 3. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. In Russian translation, it sounds slightly different. Prepare the way for the Lord. When I lived in Russia, we really liked it when the president came to our city. Uh, before his uh, motorcade passed, all the roads were repaired, mended. And you know, in Russia, we say we have two problems, fools and the roads. And, uh, and the, the roads were repaired and prepared for the arrival of the head of state. This is exactly what the Bible teaches us. Let's now look at this quoted passage in context in order to better understand it. So whose words are quoted here? Prophet Isaiah's. So if we turn to Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5, we can read the scripture in context. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh. And it's, 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 it's interesting that only then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So the Lord himself has spoken this. In other words, we need to get rid of all that prevents us from seeing the glory of God, our besetting sins. We cannot serve two masters. And what else does the prophet Isaiah say about this highway? If you turn to uh, chapter 35, uh, verse 8, please. He's talking about the highway of the New Testament. A highway shall be there and a road. And it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. 
but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. Note how important purification and sanctification are in our lives. For the unclean will not walk in this road because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. And when it says prepare the way of the Lord, it's in the imperative mood. Uh, it's, a, it's a grammatical term uh, denoting the mood of a verb that ex expresses a command or exhortation. Uh, for example, like come here. So clauses of this kind are typically used to tell someone to do something. So it's not God's responsibility, but we shouldn't be passive even with giving thanks to Jesus Christ for his blood, but we don't want to trample his blood under our feet. And now the question is, why would the Lord ask us to prepare the way? So when we uh, when they prepare the way for the head of state, they're expecting him to pass over it. And if the Lord, wherever the Lord passes, there are always traces left in history. First of all, when we talk about revival, we must begin with ourselves. Not with your husband or your wife or your children, or your parents, your grandparents, or pastor, with ourselves. Revival starts with me, with you. It doesn't matter the way we act, conduct, behave, speak, or what we do to seem good to people. Uh, no matter how happy we may seem, but the real you is when you are by yourself in the bedroom with your thoughts and you know what you're struggling with. Do you love the Lord? Is, uh, let's just examine our lives in the light of Scripture. Is everything in order with Him in your life? And do you want the Lord to reveal Himself to you? Do you hear his voice? The Bible gives us the answer to this. And let just Jesus say himself today how he reveals himself to us. If we turn to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 21. says here, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and here is the answer, and manifest myself to him. In verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him 
and make our home with him. Do you want the Lord to dwell in you and reveal himself to you? He stands at the door and knocks. I remember when we evangelized, we used this verse to preach the gospel to non-believers. But I read the same passage in context and realized it's not addressed to non-believers. It is addressed to the church in Laodicea, the lukewarm church. If you want God to dwell in you, then examine your life in the light of Scripture. The Bible says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 In the Russian translation, it sounds a little bit differently, like the word of God is living and effective, powerful in your life. And instead of a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, the word of God says it judges the thoughts and intents of the heart. So it is living and effective. Is it living and effective? Or is it just dead letters on the paper that kills, that doesn't bring life? And we sometimes think that we, if we don't smoke, we don't drink, uh, don't sleep around, then we can already be considered good Christians. How about the world of our thoughts? The Word of God judges the thoughts and intents of the heart. It may sound strange and surprising, but in Christianity now there are two plagues when it comes to soul mentoring. I, ne I, never, I was never seeking soul mentoring, but there were people uh, in, in the old congregation who approached and just revealed, and I realized that there were two plagues in today's Christianity, sexual sins and occultism. occultism. Um, I, I was shocked when one lady came from Italy. She said she had been a Catholic, and she came to know the Lord, she said she was born again, and she attended a charismatic church for about 10 years. And we just started talking. It was a pleasant conversation. And when we started praying, she got her beads. And she was praying like this. And I was like, I, I remember I was praying and just said, God, I, d I don't know what's going on, what's her understanding but give me wisdom. What happened, she called me herself. She said, Max, I have a problem. And, and the problem was that she could see the shadows of demons who were coming to her like every night and tormenting. And I said, dear sister, I think there is something that you need to get rid of. Uh, because when we deal with superstitious things, it can be really dangerous. And I just thought, for 10 years in the church, and no one taught her it wasn't of God. We need to name the sins so that people know that this is a sin. Some people just go and they don't know. They, they are depressed. 
And they say, well, actually, Jesus doesn't, sa doesn't set me free. But it's not true. If you seek the Lord, He does set free. He's not a liar. <coughs> this is why we can see so many unbiblical, weird manifestations in church today. Because when you don't know, you bring along all these sins into the church and you don't know that these are sins. I even met people who practiced so-called white magic and they thought it was a gift of, of God. But they did this before they came to know the Lord. And you know, alternative medicine is getting very popular in Europe now. Many people don't know. And when I was uh, at the conference in Sw Switzerland, I was talking to a pastor, and he shared something with me. He said they, 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 there was a, a, f a good family, they're good Christians, but something was wrong, and they couldn't understand, like, in their spiritual walk, suddenly they didn't have a desire to uh, praise the Lord, to read the Bible, to, to pray. There was something standing between them and God. And when they started praying, God showed them was the alternative medicine and when they started studying this medicine they, uh, that medicine was actually based on witchcraft and even doctors prescribe today in in Europe such things and because of ignorance sometimes the the people perish and so it's about a cult a cult occult practice, but what does Jesus say about sexual immorality? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 28, he says, But I say to you, that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Do you see how holy God is? He doesn't want us just 95%. Not even 99.9%, but 100%. And he says, God says, take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. When you started your relationship with the Lord, the place where you stand is holy ground. Because Jesus is always with you. And the Lord sees everything. Nothing can be hidden from him. What else does the Lord say? Be ye holy, for I am holy. Another, another um, man of God from the Bible that actually gives a good advice, Job. Job chapter 31, verse 1. I have made a covenant with my eyes. I think if I translated this version into a more modern one, I would say, I signed a contract with my eyes. Men, maybe women, we need to sign a contract with our eyes if you're struggling with this problem. And it says, why then should I look upon a young woman? There are several doors that lead to the heart. That's how our heart is defiled. The door of the eyes, the door of the mind, and the door of the heart in you. 
itself. So the battle takes place in these three fields where we should set defense. Defense of the eyes, defense of the mind, and defense of the heart. 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So how does sin enter and defile us? Through the eyes. If we don't see, we're not jealous. If we don't see, we don't desire. Arise. Guard your eyes. Protect your eyes. If they don't obey you, Jesus says, <clears throat> plug them out and cast them from you. Of course, he speaks figuratively here. But plug them out. Flee from fornication. Flee from sexual immorality. You know, some, some Christians believe, and I'm addressing to uh, young people as well, because some p Christians believe that, well, there were different men of God in the Bible who actually committed this sin, and God forgave them. Oh, yes, he did. But do you remember what kind of consequences David reaped? God forgives you, but then there are consequences. Just to humble ourselves and remember, it's not us. This is all about the Lord. And it's a matter of life and death. It's not a joke. Before sin is conceived, something unclean goes through the eyes. If you don't watch, you let something unclean in. Remember when Isaiah says, where are the dogs today who can bark when they see the danger? Sometimes we're silent dogs. We can be useless. If, for example, I don't know, maybe young people, you get together to watch a movie, and then you can hear that uh, they blaspheme the name of the Lord or pronounce the name of the Lord in vain. Do we approve this? Maybe there are some scenes that we were not supposed to see. Do we have enough courage to stand up and say, no matter what they will think about you, I don't want to watch this. It's defiling my heart. Because I love my Lord. He doesn't like it. Maybe there are some obscene sins and you think it's okay. But it's dangerous. When you put the defense of the eyes, the devil doesn't just give up so easily. So where does the battle take place? In our mind. It starts an attack on our minds. You are overcome by fantasies and dirty thoughts. You know, I remember I read a book. I think it's a very good book. Uh, there was a man who, uh, who was struggling with uh, sexual scenes like pornography. And one of the men that uh, gave test, uh, testi uh, 
testified about their lives. They were actually ex-porn stars. But they just described, like, when you put the defense of your eyes, it was difficult, but the defense of your eyes. And sometime later, that was okay. I didn't look at the women. I didn't look at the young girls in this way. But now, they said, we started having this battle inside here in our mind. And what should we fill our thoughts with? In Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. And Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That's how we're battling. And parents, what kind of relationships do you have with your children? There is a daughter of a Baptist pastor. She was once very fervent about God. She was seeking his face very sincerely. She, she wanted to ask questions, a lot of questions about the Lord. And she, her father uh, is a pastor. She asked him, but he, had, he never had time for her. Then she asked all the ministers, and they recommended to watch some videos, uh, you know, to listen to some sermons, to read some books, and she, and she couldn't understand like why she didn't have this opportunity to ha to have like a good conversation with them. And what happened? Unexpectedly for everyone, she accepts Islam. And it happened here in England. It was about two years ago. And she was visited by several ministers from the Baptist church and they were shocked father was shocked like what's going on why what made you accept Islam it was very simple she said I was looking for answers and then by chance I met a mufti and he spent four hours a day sometimes talking to her and answering her questions and when I can see Jehovah's Witnesses coming from door to door, spreading this heresy, I understand that the devil has taken over the territory that should have belonged to us. And especially with our children, they can be ignored. And they can be not open to us and not trust us. Why? Because we ignore them think it's not important because they're too little and they're teenagers according to statistics young people leave church today for two main reasons and it's according to the Pew research the hypocrisy of parents and ministers and the second one is science 
when I, when I preached on uh, the gospel on Chatham High Street, and you approach and you just uh, ask people, like, do you believe in God? No, I believe in science. That's the answer. When you start challenging them, they're like, yes, I was an atheist, but now I think I'm, I'm an agnostic. They quickly change their mind. Why? Because their minds need to be challenged. And do we have time for our children? Do we answer their questions? We, we're going to give account before the Lord if we ignored them, neglected them. But they have many interesting questions. For example, is there any proof of the existence of God? How does God allow evil and suffering to take place in life? How can a loving God send people to hell? Are faith in God and science compatible? Do all religions lead to the same God? Why is Christianity true? If Christianity is true, why are there so many denominations? How was the Bible written? Should I trust it? How old is the earth? What is creationism? And so on and on and on. If we don't have the answers our kids need, the devil will be happy to fill in the gaps. Through other people, through his servants. Uh, when, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Uh, when I have a testimony about one young pupil, uh, I taught religious studies. Actually, th there was a, a head of the Department of Philosophy and Religious Studies uh, who was a Catholic. And we just accidentally, I thought, I, I looked at the school, because uh, at the schools I, I worked as a supply teacher. Uh, I specialize in modern foreign languages. But I just looked at the school that was a modern building, and I just met him by accident. And, and I just thought, okay, I would love to teach at this school. I like modern buildings. And then this Catholic uh, man, his, uh, his name is Patrick Reynold. He, there was something un-Catholic about him because he treated the Bible very seriously. And you know, when, when he was he, he was talking to me, and I was, I was surprised because he actually invited me to work at school. And he says, yes, we focus on Islam, Buddhism, but I want you to focus on Christianity with our kids. This, was, uh, th this school was so-called Christian school, but on the second floor you could see like homosexuals are accepted and everything like that. And I remember when I was teaching, and they, they were, uh, there were four topics about Joseph's life. And I remember one day, uh, this pupil, uh, he was in year seven. I still remember his name because I pray about him. Uh, his name's Cole Carpenter. He just stood up and he said, Mr. Volkov, I know what you're doing. Uh, because I quoted some scripture sometimes and then prepared PowerPoint presentations. You're trying to convert us. I know that I can be fired because of this. And I said, you know, I want to be sincere with you, like with, with in front of the whole class. I am. I would be a hypocrite. If I take hell for real, heaven for real, 
Jesus Christ for real, and I will be different here, and outside I would be different, and in church I would be a different person. I would be such a great hypocrite. And he says, yes, but I, I was brought up in an atheist family. We believe in science, so you won't have any chance to convert me. But what I like about this, young, uh, th this uh, little boy, because he was sincere with me, and he wasn't like angry, he was just sincere. And we stopped there. And then there was a topic about the interpretation of dreams by Joseph. A week later, he approaches me, and his eyes like are sparkling. And, and he says, Mr. Volkov, I believe in Jesus. I was shocked. I was like, I prayed about the class. I didn't even specifically pray about him, but about the class. Uh, before I started and he said that I became a Christian I was shocked and I said Cole a week ago what happened uh, now you're telling me different story it was such a simple story sometimes we need to be like children he said I just thought Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dreams means that God sent dreams, sends dreams. And he said, for the first time in my life, I knelt down in my bedroom and I said, God, if you exist, show me the dream because they lost their dog. And he said, I don't know if this dog is going to return, but just show me this dog in a dream. And he said, five nights, I can see my dog in a dream. God answered my prayer, and he's a living God. Nobody else repented in the school. I don't know, maybe later in the future. Maybe the seed was sown. I don't know. But then <coughs> the school, after this happened, the school was reformed and was sponsored by secular sponsor, not Anglican church anymore. And religious study was taught in a different way. That's why I had to leave. And... <coughs> I, and I just gave thanks to God and I just said, God it was miraculous, mi miraculous that you sent me to this school and I just prayed about the whole class, but even if this co-carpenter was saved I give you thanks and what I did at, at, the end, uh, at the end of the lesson, I gave him a copy of my Bible, and you know that according to the law, in this country I cannot promote anything religious under the age of 16 I was really worried because it would affect my DBS check I won't be able to work with other schools and I didn't know but I just trusted the Lord and a week later he comes and he says Mr. Volkov I talked to my parents and I told them that you, get, you had given me the Bible and they said Cole this is your life you choose whatever you want I was relieved. <laughs> when he told me those, I was relieved. And, and then, uh, just maybe two, a couple of days later, I was really rejoiced by you know, him because, uh, b because other guys uh, approached me and they said, Mr. Volkov, can you, can you tell Cole Carpenter stop talking about God? <laughs> and I was like, yes, this, 
this is, uh, I don't know where this boy is. Uh, I, I don't know what, where his relationship is now, but I'm just praying. His name's Cole Carpenter. That's all I remember. And Jesus warned that in the last days, many false prophets are going to arise and many Christians are going to be deceived. Yeah. Now let me tell you why they're going to be deceived, quite simply. Because they are not staying in the Word of God. And if we as parents are not staying in the Word of God, we won't be able to answer our children's questions. Such Christians are following books, fads, and fancy speakers, but they are not opening the text of the Bible. To train up and teach children is labor and sacrifice. Instead of searching for empty, useless, or even obscene things online, we'd better find answers to their questions. We'd better sacrifice. Love, uh, love is a sacrifice. It is giving away. And I like the way Apostle Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 12, 15. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. I grew up with a Russian translation. Sorry, I always compare. But in the Russian translation, it says, I will be exhausted for the sake of your souls. 1 John 3.18 Let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and truth. Do we love our children in deed and truth? Let us turn off TV sets, computers and invest in our children but let us teach them the truth what does the Bible tell us in Proverbs 22 6 train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it we often unfortunately we often agree with psychologists that this is too early for them to hear it and then they're going through a teenage and then they are they turned 18 now they are uh, persons with their own worldviews so it's, it's very late to change something. That's how the devil is subtle. I like, I like the way King James Version puts it. The devil is subtle. And when we're talking about subtle odor, it, it's really hard to smell. There is an odor. Subtle. You can't see the devil just appearing like this. No. He's very subtle. And It's the world's wisdom. Deuteronomy 11:19 says, You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house. Okay, so once I sit in my house, I need to teach my children. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Wow. During the whole day. Do you have a family altar at home? And where are the men today? I'm not talking about the men, the guys think they, they, they should be like. I'm not talking about the men that women or girls think they should be like. I'm talking about the men in the eyes of God. Strong and courageous. The men, the men with close relationship with God, the men after his heart. It's good to always pray with the children. 
Because sometimes we think, okay, you pray and this is it. But we should, we, we should give them an example. For example, the other day when we were driving, it's really hard to park on one street. Really hard. And especially after 6 or 7 o'clock. And after shopping, we, we're driving home and we say, okay, children, let us pray that God provides the parking space for us. We prayed, and wow, it was a miracle. It was not because of my prayer, I think, because of my son's Kevin's, because he's a child. I'm grown up. For us, it is difficult. And there was a parking space. And do you know what? The only one on the street. And when you show your children, you see God actually answers prayers. That's how the children grow up. And they say, wow, my parents believe in the living God, not the God of tradition, not the God of something else, but a living God, because I can see that God answers prayers. And sometimes we ignore this. We just think, okay, we just take it for granted. God answered my prayers, yes, like He must have done it. No. God does whatever He wants. And the next time, when we were driving home, there was another parking space. And I said, you remember, we prayed last time, but now I was a little bit cautious, uh, careful. I just said, no, Kevin, but if God doesn't answer this prayer, we still believe in God. But there was a spa parking space. <laughs> and I just thought, May, you know, we adults something, sometimes think too much. And we go deep into philosophy. Yes, the Bible says so, but we always have this but. And they will not be able to develop a personal relationship with him if they, they are not interested. When was the last time we heard about guys and girls being told to keep their vessels pure, to keep themselves undefiled? My wife at school was called a lesbian just because she was a virgin. This is the world today. One woman told me that when she experienced, experienced a personal revival and never allowed men to touch her, um, she had the only, one, uh, the only man in her life. <clears throat> but the Holy Spirit nevertheless spoke to her and said, you are a harlot. I was shocked by this first when I heard about this. But then she explained. She objected and said she never allowed men to touch her until marriage, and she had the only man in her life. But God said, and how about your thoughts? She had to bring that in order. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is called holy because he does not tolerate anything unclean. Young people don't awake love. It's going to come in due season. You need to pray about this. Lust cannot wait to get, but love waits to sacrifice and give away. The secret of happy relationship is you think about my good and I think about yours. Both are sacrificial and both are pleased and happy. This is the rule <laughs> in Christianity. Treat others as you want to be treated. It's easy it's easy and interesting to fall in love, but it's also easy to fall out of love if your relationship is based on feelings. Love is not a feeling only, it is a decision. 
must be deeply rooted in the soil. You know, God is very wise because he provided palm trees for tropical places. Even here you can see the hand of a designer. When a strong wind blows, it can knock down trees, but God created the palm trees in an amazing way. They're blown from side to side and bend very lowly, but because of the flexibility, they rise and straighten up again. They go back to the previous position. In the same way, it should be in our relationships, in our marriages. It doesn't matter what gale blows against us. The problem of divorce today is a problem not only among the secular world, but unfortunately among Christians as well. And I'm talking about evangelical Christians. The percentage of divorces is almost the same as in the world. And uh, before I finish, I'd just like to also address to uh, husbands and wives. Husband, do you love your wife as yourself? Are you stern with her? Do you easily get angry and irritated? Do you think, uh, do, do you talk in the same manner as you want her to talk to you? Maybe dinner wasn't served on time, or she didn't give you the right socks. And wife, are you submissive to your husband? Or do you think that you know everything better? Let him feel responsible. He was created in this way. He wants to feel like a man. He is the head. God has commanded so. Even the elderly are now divorced in churches. And when Jesus was addressing the church in Ephesus, he says, I know your works. And it's interesting that when Jesus addresses the churches, he doesn't start with, I know your faith. But he says, I know your works. Because true faith produces works. It becomes our nature. Not just because we have to, but we want to. Because many people today can do many good works. But without Jesus, they are nothing. And he says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for in my name's sake and have not become weary. Wow, it's like a perfect church. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So sometimes our marriages can be like the Ephesian church. There can be activities going on. We can even bring flowers to our, to our wives, and you can give patience, but you lost your first love. There are the advices given by our Lord. Remember, repent, and do the first works. It's labor. Do it for your marriage. Do everything with love. And do you get on well with your parents' children? Do you hurt them? Do you hammer nails into their hearts? Maybe you ask for forgiveness, and in doing so, you pull out those nails, but the wounds remain. Why should you carry flowers to the graveyard? 
give them to your parents while they are alive? How do you talk to them? Do you honor them? You have a promise of a long life. If you obey your parents, if you honor and respect them, your mother and father, do you help your parents around the house? Do the guests see your God-fearing life? Do your parents see Jesus in you? Is their life changing because of you? I met one pastor in Belgium who was a secessionist. He didn't believe in the spiritual gifts working today. And he said that he sent his children to a very good Christian camp. When they came back, they changed the fruit. They started helping around the house. And by looking at their lives, the parents repented. So grandmothers, grandfathers, parents, husbands, wives, children, get your relationship right with God. Let revival start with each of us personally today. Wife, don't expect it from your husband. Husband, don't expect it from your wife. And children, don't wait until your parents change. Parents, don't expect it from your children. Start with yourself. And now the question is, are we ready for revival? Do you know what it might cost you? If we remember the first church, do you remember Ananias and Sapphire? And I just think, today we Christians can lie and nothing happens to us. And they just lied. But when the Holy Spirit comes down, His holiness comes along. And then it's getting serious with God. And the revivals that you read about, you can hear such stories and you just think, is this our God? Yes, He is God of love and mercy. But He's also consuming fire and He's jealous. <coughs> Prepare the way of the Lord. God bless you.